Welcome to the Portage Health Foundation podcast. My name is Michael Babcock. I am your host and uh, the marketing director here at the foundation. Uh, today, we're going to be talking um, with Amy Quinn, the chief executive officer at Grow and Lead out of, out of Marquette, uh, to talk about something that happened very recently, some breaking news, as the email from Amy said. Um, it's very exciting. The Michigan Nonprofit Relief Fund um, is something that just started. So we're going to talk to Amy all about it. Um, she's got some inside knowledge a little bit, and she's got all the answers, or at least all the answers, hopefully. Um, but I imagine all the answers um, to all of life's questions, but especially related to this fund and how it can um, really benefit uh, nonprofits throughout the state of Michigan, and especially those that are you know within our, our areas that we care about. So Amy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Oh, you set me up way too much. No, no, never, never. Um, so Amy and, and Grow and Lead is an organization that are based out of Marquette. Uh, well, tell us what you do. What do you guys do as an, as an organization? Okay. Well, and and really, I'm not even sure if we can say we're based out of Marquette anymore because we are virtual, so we don't have an office. We have a P.O. box in Marquette, but we operate virtually so that we can be out with nonprofits. And that's our our jam. We like to be out with nonprofits, working with the staff, the volunteers, the boards to do whatever we can do to help the nonprofit do what it does. And so our whole our whole purpose is to have the UP to be an environment where youth can thrive. And our slice of that is with the social sector, because we feel like there's a critical component, a critical link between what nonprofits do for our communities and how that builds up a great environment for youth. Awesome. That that youth part is one that we don't, um, at least when I think of you, I don't think about. I just know you guys help all of us nonprofits do amazing things, including putting together the nonprofit conference, which we'll go back to that at the end, because I do want to give a little shout out to that, because um, I'm imagining a lot of people that are listening to this are the different nonprofits. So let's get right into the, the meat and potatoes of what we're talking about here. This um, Michigan Nonprofit Relief fund. Tell me about it. What is it? How does it start? Why, why did this happen? Well, you know, when the pandemic hit, nonprofits really stepped up in a big way. Um, and they also took a large hit from the standpoint that there was extra, we all know there was extra expense. We had to retool how we provided services. Some had to shut down completely. And Michigan Nonprofit Association recognized that. And they started meeting with our legislators over two years ago to say, hey, we need a relief fund specifically for nonprofits. Because even though a lot of the federal funding through ARPA that, that came down, even though a lot of that was um, applicable or, or allowed for nonprofits to apply for, a lot of the applications were really geared to small business. And so nonprofits, for the most part, didn't get the message or a lot of them didn't think that they did qualify for the stimulus money. So the in the state budget in this year that was passed, they included a $50 million nonprofit relief fund to be jointly administered through Department of Labor and Economic Opportunity, or LEO, and Michigan Nonprofit Association, or MA. Awesome. And one of the things that I, you know, reading through it and, and reading the announcements, how it came out, I just want to make this ultra clear, and I won't make you say this part, but you do not need to be a part of the Michigan Nonprofit Association to benefit from this. Why Why are we making that so clear? Because I, I do, I see that everywhere. It seems to be like the second thing they say. Yes, we want to make sure that's very clear. And also, you do not have to be part of Grow and Lead in order to 
apply or receive this funding. Because I think the key message is we want it to be accessible to as many nonprofits that um, are interested in receiving the money, which that sounds funny because what nonprofit would turn down money, but there are some circumstances or nonprofits that they don't have to worry about fundraising. And so it, this may not be applicable, but we wanna make sure that we can reach all, all nonprofits. It's, and particularly it was designed for the smaller nonprofits, those with an annual budget of less than a million dollars. Excellent, and there are a lot of those in the UP. Um, tell me about like, you know, when I see something like this happening and oftentimes in, in the UP, we feel underrepresented. Um, was there anybody that, you know, was sharing the Upper Peninsula voice with the, with the group that was developing the plans for this? Yes, I've been serving on the statewide committee uh, since November uh, because uh, for that exact reason, because I was concerned about the money staying downstate and not coming up above the bridge. Also wanted to make sure that small nonprofits, their voice was heard, but especially small and rural nonprofits, that they they have the access to this money as well. Excellent. Tell me, like, take me a little behind the scenes. What were the planning meetings for that like? Who did you work with on that? Like, what was that process like? <laughs> well, Michigan Nonprofit Association, they've been the convener and they have a consultant that's been wonderful, a project manager that's been wonderful to work with. But some of the, especially the early meetings, you, it's, it's like the sausage making, really. And yet it, it was details and grinding of, conversations and asking questions over and over of you know even small things like can can they decide if they want five thousand or twenty five thousand or do they have to ask for twenty five thousand and then we decide how much they they get um what if they serve clients that aren't in michigan is there a certain percent that we're allowing them to have outside of the state of michigan um what if they don't have internet access and how can we get them a form? How do we make this, how do we make it accessible? And, and at the end of the day, we're distributing a little over 32 million as far as the M&A. And so it, it's like, we don't know if we're gonna get requests for 5 million or 100 million. And so that's why we put together the letter, the intent to apply form real quick questionnaire takes less than 20 minutes so that it can help us better prepare. Like we are still working on the final RFP, the final grant application and scoring rubric. So this is very much we're we're building the bicycle while we're riding it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. It's um it's kind of it's it's good to hear that there's a group trying to get those questions answered before you have to answer them for real. Um, you know, that way you can work through these things. So that brings us back to some of the more basic questions. Um, who's eligible to apply? Who, you know, who, who are you aiming to get with this? First and foremost, you need to be a 501c3 or you need to be sponsored by a 501c3 nonprofit. And you need to make sure you provide services in Michigan and you need to be providing services since January 1, 2019. Because it, this is, even though this is money that's coming in the future and can be for any general operating non-restricted money. It doesn't have to go towards a program. 
uh, you still need to be in existence back from before the pandemic began because that's what this was geared for and it's from ARPA funding. Uh, priority is given to organizations with annual budgets of less than a million dollars and priority is given to organizations serving ALICE populations. And that's where the Department of Labor and Economic Opportunity is involved as well, because we want this to not just be a one-time cash influx to nonprofits, but we want to try to build up nonprofits and build up especially the working middle class. Excellent. And one of the things you said in there, um, well, there's a couple I want to ask, but one is Alice. Um, I know what that means, but tell me about it. Tell me what Alice means and why that matters. Yes. Great. Thank you for asking. Yes. Alice stands for Asset Limited Income Constrained Employed. So as a slang term or a common term, we may call it the working poor. Um, people that they are employed, but they have trouble making ends meet. And especially in these days with the cost, well, the cost of everything increasing, but especially the cost of food, transportation, and childcare increasing, uh, the number of the percentage of our household in uh, our the percentage of people in Alice uh, households are also or what would be categorized as Alice has been increasing as well. Yeah, I, I know in Houghton County um, we're above forty percent on that. It's something that our Bridges Copper Country programming, led by Mike Steber, um, he has been really focused on that is is to help people realize that um, just because you're you're working and you're making okay money, you're barely getting by doesn't mean you're not categorized. We're not trying to help find ways to help make you better and, and help you find those next steps in life. So it's it's good to hear that that's one of your targets. And then the other part about, you know, who you described as eligible to apply is you, you talk a lot about services. Um, so is this a, uh, this only available for nonprofits that provide kind of services or is this available for all types of nonprofits? It's available for all types of nonprofits, um, except those that cannot apply. It's not um, applicable to public and private schools or higher education institutions, um, hospitals, associations, or if it's towards religious programming. Now, a religious or a faith-based organization nonprofit can apply, but the funds must be used for general population um, services and not, well, not services, but just it can't be used for proselytizing or have they can't have any type of programming that's discriminated based on religion. Excellent. What about like arts and recreational organizations? Would they be eligible? Absolutely. And I think this is a really great uh, opportunity for them because especially a lot of the arts, they had to shut down completely. Art, well, arts and recreation. So yes, absolutely. Awesome. And then, um, we're looking at, you know, they, they, they want to do this. They want to, what, what are they going to get out of this? How much money will each nonprofit potentially be able to receive um, from this? And, and well, yeah, so that first. Yeah, the minimum a nonprofit can ask for is 5000 and the maximum is 25000 Okay, so it's not, you're not asking for, you know, millions of dollars here. The, the amount is, is relatively small. Um, how does an organization have to decide between which end of that they want to go on? We haven't... Um listed formal criteria yet, I think, because as a committee, we haven't quite decided if we're going to try to categorize or, or let organizations self-select. But it, to me personally, I think about what is your budget and 
what's your overall budget? How would you use the money? If you have an overall budget of 75,000 a year and you ask for 25,000, to me that seems a little extreme, but maybe you have a great plan to use the money. So that's why we've, and we've actually gone around and around as a committee having these discussions because it's like, should we allow someone with, with budget less than 100,000 to apply for the full amount? And um, we're leaning towards letting the organization self-select. So uh, you, can, you can say however much you want to apply for. And because it's not program related, we're really trying to keep it, the application as simple as possible. You know, we don't ask for a program budget or a logic model or an evaluation plan or anything that your typical grant would look for. And so we're also trying to figure out how do we differentiate the proposals? What does the scoring rubric look like? And what type of reporting will need will we need to provide the state on the back end to show how we spent the money um, when we don't have all those components like a typical grant process would? Right, it is, it is an interesting thing. Um, I know as a, as a nonprofit and somebody who's worked with a lot of nonprofits, that idea of unrestricted funds is, um, is you know, that's gold. Um, that doesn't happen very often. Usually it's very restricted. So that's that's exciting. So an organization, they realize they're eligible. They were around at the time. They went through it. They struggled. They've, they've figured out and they're eligible, ready to go. What do they do? What's their next step? The first thing I can tell people and the best thing I can tell people is go to the website, mynonprofitrelief.org. And I actually tested this out. If you do my my nonprofitrelief.org or MI for Michigan, which that's technically what it is, is my MI nonprofitrelief.org. Either way, it gets you to that site. And on the website, you can view further information about eligibility. They have a list of FAQs you could go through. Critically, the thing to know most is that there's a link there for the intent to apply and you can also sign up to receive email updates now the intent to apply is not required but it is highly encouraged and that's like help us as a statewide committee help you because here get i think of the intent to apply as like an rsvp to a party you don't have to do it and we're not going to not let you come to the party if you don't rsvp but it really helps with planning and knowing what to expect if you do. Yeah, it seems like a really nice little way to um, to make things a little bit better on both ends and helping those that are trying to get, you know, want these funds to, you know, raise their hand and feel like they're part of the process too, which is important. Um, and it looks like in March, you guys are going to go from that raising your hand, saying you want to participate to having an application open. What What's going to happen at that point? What we're going to do, in fact, at our next statewide meeting, they're going to give us a report from the intent to apply so we have a better idea what to expect. And then we're going to finalize the RFP or the grant application. So towards the end of March is when the actual application will come out. We will, we will definitely want to provide a lot of information about that make sure everyone that wants to apply knows the deadline is May 5th. This is all projected for now, but the deadline is May 5th and with funding decisions being made in June and cash payments being made late June, early July. That's the estimated project timeline. 
Excellent. I hope that timeline is helpful for a lot of people to, to understand. Um, and again, just like some basic things I'm hoping you can cross off. You don't have to be a member of MNA to participate. What, what about if you guys have received COVID funding before? You know, you talked about some of the payroll uh, money people got. Are people still eligible even if they got some of that money? They are. It's a standard um, funder answer, I guess you could say, is that yes, as long as you don't double dip. So even though you received ARPA funding or are receiving ARPA funding now, as long as you use it to pay for something different, then that's okay. Right. That makes sense. Um, again, if you're interested in doing this, go to my, that's M-I, nonprofitrelief.org. That'll be in the show notes too. If you go there, you can click on it from there. Um, and, and we're really excited. Thank you again, Amy, for doing this. Is there anybody that you want to give a shout out to through this process that has been really helpful for you or that some of our nonprofits should like just know that these people really stepped up to make this possible? Yes, absolutely. Michigan Nonprofit Association, for sure. Um, Joan and her team in, in the public policy group, uh, they, like I said, they've been working over two and a half years and they lobbied for this. They secured it for us. Now they're having to do the work of figuring out how to distribute it. So it's a, a huge lift from the Michigan Nonprofit Association, but we're very pleased and, and grateful that, that they took this on as a project. Yeah. And, and I think you and I are going to be on the same page with this next statement that we, we need our copper country, our UP wide nonprofits to absolutely raise their hand to try to get some of this money. Um, you know, yes. I, I can say from our end here at the foundation's office, if you have questions on it, we'd be happy to help. But really, Amy, tell me about what the services you guys might be able to provide or to help you guys might be able to provide people um, if they have questions about this. Absolutely. We can try to field as many questions as possible. And if we don't know, then we can contact the people at MA to get answers for you. But also, we really want and need people to complete the intent to apply. Even if you're not sure how much to ask for, uh, you're not sure how you would use the money, go ahead because going to through the intent to apply, you're also getting set up in their system. We're using SurveyMonkey forms for the grant management system. So you're already set up. So when the actual application comes out, if you decide to apply, boom, you're ready to go. And part of the intent to apply are asking some random questions that may seem odd at first because it'll say like, do you have a grant writer on hand? What type of technical assistance might you need? Do you have internet access um, that's reliable? Those types of things, because as a committee and as a, as a group statewide, we're not just looking to give out this large sum of money on a one-time basis. We're also looking at using this as an opportunity of what do small nonprofits need and how on a, a statewide scale, how might we help them? And so our commitment, um, as Grow and Lead, our commitment to this, even though the money will be spent in June, is through December. Because not only for the final reporting and whatnot, but also, are there things that nonprofits need? Or is there certain consulting or technical assistance that they need help with that we may be able to provide as a result of getting connected with them through this fund? Excellent. So I think we're, we're, is there anything else you want to mention about the nonprofit relief fund at all before we move on to a couple other things? Quickly, yes. If anyone is interested in serving as, a, as part of the UP regional hub, please 
contact me or go to the mynonprofitrelief.org website and contact them. Um, we, we are looking for people that are interested in, you will be helping to field questions, but especially in May, you'll be reviewing the applications, scoring the applications, deciding uh, who gets how much funding and um, following up with nonprofits and that type of thing. So if you want to join our hub in the UP hub, then let us know. Give me a little bit more of a pitch for that. Who are you looking for? Like what kind of people and what kind of commitment is it? They, I've, I've heard M&A say four hours a month, but I think it's probably closer to, um, it'll probably be closer to 10 hours for reviewing the applications and, and whatnot in, it, it would be probably about four hours in March, four hours in April, 10 hours in May, and then June, June through December, uh, maybe five or six hours a month. So it's not a ton of work, but it is, it is a commitment that you're making. And it's, it's people that understand nonprofits. You don't have to work in a nonprofit, but people that understand the nonprofit business model and that are willing to read through grant applications and able, willing and able to score them because ultimately this is most likely going to be a competitive process if more than $32 million is requested. So it could be competitive and um, willing to communicate and be committed with uh, attending. We, we have meetings like every other actually with, as a hub where the, where M&A downloads information to us to help us know what the status is and and what we can and should be saying to nonprofits to get the word out there's a stipend for people that are uh, that commit to being part of the up hub as well it's uh i believe it's 500 dollars a month excellent so it's a fairly large for, stipend even yeah it's it's a decent amount i mean m a they understand that this takes time and work and effort to um, to launch and to go through. So they're not asking us to do it for free, which is nice. Yeah. Um, and again, you're looking for people with a little bit of nonprofit experience. They'll do that. Um, and again, how can they sign up to be part of that? They can go to the website, mynonprofitrelief.org, or they can email relieffund at mnaonline.org. They could also email grow and lead at info at glcyd.org. Or I'll even say, Michael, they can contact Portage Health Foundation and you guys can connect us. Yeah, we'd be happy to help connect the dots in whatever way we can. Um, again, go check out that website to get involved with it. And that's I think that's about it for the Nonprofit Relief Fund. But I want to hear, Amy, more about the, the what's going on with grow and lead. Like you guys are doing this virtual thing. A lot of us in, in a lot of businesses, a lot of different sectors have been like, man, what does that look like? How does that work? How is that working out for you guys? What are some of the the, the, the challenges and some of the good things that are going with that? Oh, my gosh. How long do you have for this? We have podcast? all day. <laughs> We're, we are still figuring it out. I have a wonderful team and they have been so gracious and uh, resilient and being adaptable and uh, you know, we we were already set up to work remotely 
on an individual basis. So when the pandemic first happened, we left the office on a Friday, started working remotely on Monday, and it was fairly seamless when we thought about it as a temporary situation. But then when it came time to do it permanently, you know, we had to switch from a server to Microsoft 365, which we're still kind of getting used to. And um, it's it really changes the culture of the organization. You're not all there together to just bop in one another's office and whatnot. So those, those things have been really challenging. Um, but on the flip side, it frees up some of our budget to go towards travel so that we can be out with nonprofits uh, with them alongside them in their work. And, and that's the one thing that really excites me is that we're trying to be more customer centric and we're also trying to be more UP centric and less Marquette focused. Awesome. Well, as somebody from outside of the Marquette area, I'm happy to hear that part at least. Um, and you guys know you're always welcome to work in our office. We'd love to have you here. And a lot of our nonprofits work with you um, specifically with that nonprofit conference you guys do every year, which is one of my favorite times. It's really nice to get everybody together. Tell me about this last year. What was that like? And, and you know, how's that thing, how's it changed over the years? Yeah, well, we're so excited that we're able to bring it back in person. And really, it makes us feel good and is encouraging because people are attending and they're saying they want to have an in-person conference. And so planning it is always a big lift but knowing that nonprofits get value from it and they appreciate it is the reason we keep doing it. Uh, this year, it's going to be earlier than normal. It's going to be Thursday, October 5th. So it's a couple of weeks earlier than what we normally have it. Hopefully we won't have any snowstorms or anything like that. We've not chosen a keynote speaker. We've had some recommendations passed our way. So if you know of anyone, pass, pass them our, our way. Um, but we plan to have similar format with keynote speaker workshops, networking, et cetera. Awesome. Well, I'm really looking forward to that. And I hope if you're a nonprofit and you're looking at this, whether you're a board member or a, a staff member at one of these nonprofits or volunteer, um, and you guys are looking at this nonprofit relief fund, I hope you also take the time to consider going to that event in October. It's a wonderful time to meet everybody and and get to be surrounded by people that are going through the same struggles you are. I think that's the most important part of these kind of conferences. It's just all of us are dealing with the same thing you guys are dealing with as a nonprofit. So getting together is a, is a really um, positive thing to do. Amy, I want to thank you so much for coming on the PHF podcast today um, and sharing information about the Michigan Nonprofit Relief Fund. Again, minonprofitrelief.org is the website. We'll have it in the show notes if you go there. And Grow and Lead is a, is a wonderful organization. We'll have their website in the show notes as well. Um, Amy, is there anything else you want to mention before we before we cut off the episode? Just we appreciate your partnership and thank you for having us on. And please spread the word. There's money available. Let's bring it up here to the UP. All right. Thank you to everybody that's out there listening. And we will see you next episode.